Oh, goodness, John Waters is taking us to task in that song. I don't know if y'all heard it or not. Did it make you a little bit uncomfortable? Nice white kids. Did it make you a little bit uncomfortable? Nice white kids. Uh, I know some of our choir members were struggling with the lyrics to the music. And, and then it, once a month we get Negro Day. You know, nice white kids. Uh, John Waters is trying to tell us something clearly in the lyrics of this song. And he's not pulling any punches, but it's in such sweet, happy, jumpy music that you might not miss that he's given it to you, you know, with the way he does it. If you listen to some of the rest of the words in it, it says, they'll never get to college, but they sure look cool. Have you ever had anyone tell you a compliment before and you weren't sure it was a compliment? This is not a compliment. They'll never, they'll never get to college, but they sure look cool. They're jumping and they're dancing. They don't need a cap and gown when you're the nicest kid in town. You will never see them frown. They can't even tell a verb from a noun. These are the lyrics to nicest kid in town. And so John Waters is trying to tell us something here. You know, these nice white kids. You know, what is he trying to say to us in this story of hairspray and even with lyrics like this? You know, sometimes people try to get you to laugh a little bit to get you to learn something. And sometimes they think if you're half asleep, then you might even learn it better because they can kind of slip around your defenses. You know, sometimes pastors do that with children's time. You know, it's proven. Adults' defenses go down when you have children's time. So if you really want to hear hear something, make it the children's message. Then you can get it. So, so you say it nicer and sweeter, and then you can, your barriers are down and you can hear it. So they're singing these songs that are joyful and hippie, but he's not saying good stuff. He's not saying nice things about them. He's actually being a little in your face. John Waters is a provocateur. And Hairspray, a musical, is still relevant today. We still have some of the same challenges that were going on for John Walters when he grew up in Baltimore when he had two worlds he lived in because he was an inner-city Baltimore kid that then got plucked up and went to a country club high school in northern New Jersey, one of the wealthiest parts of our country. And so he lived between those two places, inner-city New Jersey and country, inner-city Baltimore and upstate New Jersey, and tried to make sense of what that meant in his life. And we get this musical as a response to this, this movie. Did it make you uncomfortable when the choir sang those words? Make you a little bit uncomfortable? Good, you're in the right church. (laughs) It's okay for us to feel a little uncomfortable and okay for us to feel even more uncomfortable so that we work on the things that keep us separate that God says to throw away because I'm the God of all people. So it's important for us to let ourselves live into the discomfort For some, it's a new dream, but for others, it may actually seem like a nightmare. Reverend Vicki said to look at this musical, she had to think of the end first. What is the end we're going for as we listen to these words and see these dances? Keep the end in mind. Keep God's vision in mind. Keep the dream in mind, even if others will tell you it's not a dream. You know, I think... John Waters doesn't have anything on the Apostle Paul at all. Have you read some of Paul's stuff? He can be pretty clear. He can tell you what he doesn't like and what he likes. 
who's supposed to be lifted up at this moment and who's having a hard time and take you to task. And he does it in Romans, in the book we're studying this summer. At the beginning of Romans in chapter 1 and chapter 2, Paul is getting this community of churches, of churches, maybe more than one gathering, where the Jews had been a part of the church and were kicked out of town, and now they're allowed back into Rome, and so they're coming back to church. And so you've got these communities with different life experiences, the Gentile Jew Christians and the Jewish Christians. And Paul hasn't ever been to Rome when he writes this letter. He hasn't ever been there. But so what he wants them to know is they need to stop fighting. They need to stop insisting on their own way. They need to listen to others. And if you read through the first chapter of Romans, Paul is setting them up. You know, he's, he's, he's making them cheer. He's making the Jewish Christians cheer. He's saying, you know those Gentiles, they do this, this, and this. And you're, and you're with Paul if you're a Jewish Christian. Say, yeah, Paul, you tell them. You tell them. This is, that's right. They need to change the way they're being, these Gentile Christians. Watch out for this. And then at the end of that chapter, Paul then turns it around right on the Jewish Christians and says, but you know what? Chapter 2, verse 1, you are worse than them because you judged. Can you imagine that? Team, team Jew, team Jew, team Jew, team Gentile, team Gentile, team Gentile, because the Gentiles get their turn at it too. And then Paul says, but you're worse. You know, stop fighting for your team. Listen for what I'm doing in the midst of it all. You know, and even y'all may be familiar with that first chapter of Romans for the passage that has actually bashed many gay people. There's a passage in it that talks about natural and unnatural, which in the Greek words really means irregular or out of the ordinary. It's nothing horrible. It's just not usual when it says unnatural. And what's fascinating is how much of church tradition has focused on those two rules instead of the next paragraph. Because the next paragraph, the Greek word means evil. Let me list these things that maybe we might not want to talk about that's in chapter 1. So after talking about what's irregular or not usual in sexuality, then Paul says, this is evil. Every kind of wickedness, evil, covetousness, malice, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, craftiness, gossiping, slandering, God-haters, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, rebellious towards parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Now, we don't hear about those as much. But in chapter 1, Romans, Paul says, this is the heart of this bad stuff for us that we really have to watch out for. So it's interesting that Paul is getting the Jewish and the Gentile Christians in a cheering match against each other, and then he slams them both and says, you are just as guilty as all the others. Oh, goodness, Paul. I wonder what he'd say to us if he came in here today. I wonder if we'd welcome him if he came in here today. You know, maybe he would send a letter ahead of time to let us think about it before he got here. I'm not sure about that. But Paul goes head on in, just like John Waters, telling them what is not okay, actually getting them to cheer a little before he then twists it in a different direction. You know, we're proud of things that are about us. I'm a Texan. Y'all proud to be Texans? Some of you? Some of you are proud to be born Texans, native Texans? All right. 
You know, we like that. We're Texans. We can do it on our own, pick ourselves up by our bootstraps. You know, our ego makes us do litter uh, media that says, you know, has to fit that, that you know, image of ourselves. It's like, don't mess with us. Don't mess with Texas, right? We're proud of that. But Paul says, okay, Texans, it's just not God of the Texans. God of all the other states as well. And you may be proud of being American, and you may have all the wonderful identity that we have in our country and freedom, and you might say, I'm an American, I'm proud of it, and Paul says to you, okay, but God's not just the God of the Americans. That passage says, is God the God of the Jews only? No. Gentiles, too. And so here we have God challenging these ways. If you're from around here for a long time and you've been around Galveston, you know there's a difference if you were born on the island. You know? <laughs> Paul is saying, stop boasting. Stop boasting. It's God's grace that's doing it. Not any of these identities you're boasting about, not any of these things that you're holding up as important and to be proud of, that's not doing it. God is the God of this country and others. God is the God of this state and others. God is the God of all the things you choose to separate yourself from and those you choose to separate yourself from. Paul has taken them to task in a not very nice way. John Waters is a provocateur. He sometimes has a very sarcastic way of doing things. In the newer version of Hairspray, John Travolta is sort of sweet as Edna Turnblatt. For those of you who remember the first version of Hairspray, a character named Divine played Edna. And, and Edna wasn't really sweet. You know, she just wasn't really sweet. She was just kind of harsh. You know, she, she didn't want her, her daughter to be hurt, and she was telling her daughter not to do those things. And don't we need people in our lives to look out for us? But don't we need them not to suffocate us while they're looking out for us? You know, don't, don't they need to let us continue to have some freedom in our lives? I was on a panel of United Methodists at St. Paul's United Methodist Church oh, about 30 years ago, because I just turned 58, so it has to at least be 30 years ago. And on that panel, they were talking about uh, LGBT folks in the church. And at that time, uh, and still in the Methodist church, it's very uninviting and not welcoming. And there was a pastor on the panel, and I was served, I knew him, and I was on the panel with him. His name is Ron. And he was trying to uh, be the best pastor for LGBT people he knew how to be. But what that meant was to keep them safe. What that meant was to make sure no harm came to them. And so when he was talking, I was at the other end of the table, and, and I had to say... Yes, but that's not the real world. You cannot protect us from those that hate us. You cannot protect us from those who will kill us. And this is before Matthew Shepard, but this idea that we might love someone and want to keep them from harm, and in so doing, maybe destroy their spirit, maybe curtail their dreams, maybe not let them be who God calls them to be, we need someone that says, go for it. We need someone in our lives that says, go for it. It might be hard. You might get broken. Go for it. You know, we can bandage a skinned knee. We can even work with a broken spirit. Go for it. 
So John Waters has these two things going on for Tracy Turnblatt. So she heeds her father's advice and decides to go for it. And to do so, she needs the help of her friends. She can't do it alone. So I want you to see this scene as she goes in to, to audition for dancing, and she uses her friend Seaweed's choreography in order to win. anything about that dance floor? There was a cord going down the middle of it with all the white kids dancing on one side and all the black kids dancing on one side. Not free to dance together. This is her friend. She goes in and the friend says, well, you can use the dance, you know, uh, but I can't, I, I can't come over there and do it with you. That's just the way things are. I'm tired of living with the way things are. Are you tired of living with the way things are? People telling you that's the way things have to be and the way things are? I think we can listen to Paul telling us to stop cheering for our own teens and start cheering for God's love in the world. Stop cheering for those things that make us different and start listening to God's grace in our lives. Hairspray was meant to be in your face. There's a picture of Edna and her husband in their house, and it's showing this uh, um, working man's home. She's the uh, seamstress with doing the ironing, and this picture that he has on front of the Life magazine in the movie. Some of you may recognize that as a very famous cover for Life. It's the cover of Selma Alabama, where they're walking across the Edmund Pettus Bridge. I don't think it's by accident that John Waters had them reading this particular magazine when he filmed the show, saying this has to stop, this has to be different. And John Waters even goes further, he says, we're going to really resist this too. And the way he shows us resisting it is the extremes people go through to make people be who they want them to be. And so he gives himself a role in the show. And the role he gives himself is a psychiatrist. Any of you remember this role? John Waters plays the role of a psychiatrist. And Penny, who's on the bed there, a psychiatrist has been brought in to heal her because her boyfriend is black. And the psychiatrist is supposed to brainwash her so that that's not okay. And she will not love her boyfriend anymore. And if you'll notice, the psychiatrist is holding a cattle prod. And also one of those red spirally things, you know, he goes around her with this red spirally thing to try and brainwash her. In the next picture, he actually gives her a zap and she responds. Now this is meant to provoke us. You may laugh, you may think it's, it's uh, trivial or old, but um, we may know people who got zapped to change who they were through elective convuls electroconvulsive therapy. And certainly when this movie was made, that was open to be done to folks. So what is he saying with all of this stuff? 
It is a fun movie to sing to, a fun show to be a part of, but boy, let the words sink in so that maybe in the music we're able to then transform who we are. He, there's even a bigger danger than all of these cattle prods that are out there. And here's a little clip to show you what I think that is. Wilbert, to think that I almost stopped her from reaching for the stars. And now here she is on local daytime TV. She's going to be a regular. Imagine my little girl, regular, at last. Imagine my little girl, regular, at last. I remember when marriage equality came to be. And we said, imagine all of us, regular, at last. Maybe we can breathe. Maybe we can rest. Imagine, regular, at last. You know, we'd always been told that marriage wasn't the real issue around equality. There's a lot more to do about housing and justice and employment and uh, adoption and all of these other services than marriage. But we thought marriage, regular, you know. So I think one of the biggest barriers we have to continuing to work to justice in the world is finding ourselves a seat at the table or enough of a seat at the table that we forget that there's not enough chairs for everyone else and maybe even not a good one for us. But we might get bought by just enough that we stop listening to God's love for all of God's people. We might think it's trivial to talk about a dance floor on a dance show. You know, what's this silly movie about? Until we might think about, is it trivial when people won't make birth, not birthday, wedding cakes for people? Is it trivial when people are saying which bathroom you can go to? These things matter in people's lives. But maybe, maybe we're regular enough. And that that has so many benefits to it, we don't ever want to be thought of as irregular again. And maybe we want to stay in that place of safety and comfort and privilege that we've just earned. So I think that's a danger for us. And Paul says to these people in the early church of Rome, no, God's the God of all people, Jews and Gentiles alike, and our God is one God. And he calls into the Jewish faith, he calls into their prayer called the Shema that says, the Lord your God is one. And he reminds them, if God is one, then anything you do, any restrictions you put up that separates people from others and doesn't let anyone come to the table is too high a bar because God's bar is much lower than that. To quote Desmond Tutu, God's bar is, he would say, so, so low that everyone can come to the table. This might be a hard lesson for us in our lives. I'm proud when I'm able to buy my own house. I'm proud when these things happen in my life. But do I display that pride in such a way that doesn't let anyone else have the same joy? If I'm a woman that's made it in this world, do I keep other women down? If I'm an LGBT person, is it the same? Am I working for all of God's people to be one and to know the one God? A uh, conservative theologian, N.T. Wright, says this. There is one God, so there must be one people of God that are marked by something other than the Jewish law, which would have left a high fence 
down the middle of the church. With Jewish Christians on one side and Gentile Christians on the other, boasting is excluded. There is no favored nation clause for ethnic Israel. God's faithfulness to the covenant with Abraham can only be fulfilled through the creation of a worldwide Jew plus Gentile family. Goodness gracious, are we ready for some Jew plus Gentile families? Are we ready to think of a world of Republican plus Democrat plus Independent plus Green Party plus non-voter families? Are we ready to think of a world of people, whoever on the other side we decide are other? God has said, I'm their God, too. So here we have hairspray, provocative, in your face, right? Celebrate being regular, right? But thank God, poor Tracy, she couldn't stand being regular too long. Her old irregular self just kind of blossomed up, and because of that, transformation happened. So may God bless you in this world to know that God is one and everyone's God, and may God bless you with irregularity. Amen. Amen. <laughs>